Hello and welcome to this episode of Watch Out for Fireballs on Ocarina of Time. This is the preview episode for our premium episode this month. Uh, if you're hearing this, this is on the general feed. Um, this goes up through the generalities. It's about two hours, uh, a little bit less, but it's quite meaty. If you want to hear the full thing, though, uh, head on over to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Second little announcement lit I have is, unfortunately, we have had to cancel our appearance at Midwest Gaming Classic. I don't know if the con's still going on, but we are living in a global pandemic. And uh, even even though me and Cole are both hardy Adonises, uh, we have people in our lives who are not, and we did not want to get anybody sick. So uh, we're coming up with plans, you know, some kind of e-thing or virtual thing or other con to take the place of that. Stay tuned. Um, we are still going to do something. So uh, until next time, I appreciate you and enjoy the episode. <laughs> My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a Games Club podcast. And this week we are talking about The Legend of Zelda The Ocarina of Time, which is an action-adventure game developed and published by Nintendo for the N64 in 1998. Yeah, and this is our premium episode for the month, mm-hmm. which means that everybody's hearing this part. Yes. But if you want to hear the whole thing, mm-hmm. you gotta be a patron. Yes. Uh, so it's going to be a big one, honestly. So yeah. the generalities here are going to be very spicy. There is a lot about this game. <laughs> um, yes. But uh, to hear us talk about the particulars of dungeons and things like that, uh, that will be in the full in the full product. Yes. Yeah. Um, and this is, you know, uh, I, 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 the, the the essential conflict of this episode, I was talking about this <laughs> in the green room, right. is fun versus like import. Yeah. Or like innovation, mm-hmm. because it is really, really difficult to separate the Ocarina of Time from the experience and seeing it in, you know, in 1998 mm-hmm. versus playing it as an adult who has played video games since 1998. And I am in a weird spot, you know, with this where it's like, I respect it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of its design decisions feel like they are onboarding for gaming, which I respect. Yes, I I had and I'm you know not trying to be uh, exaggerating or anything. And there's no, you know, this is this is your reminder to everybody as well that like if we wanted to do clickbaity shit to mm-hmm. give listeners and have takes, we would have different takes. Yes, like we <laughs> you know we we generally don't do that. Um, I had very little fun playing this game. I don't think this is very fun in 2020 to play. Right. Yeah, I frustrated it, a lot. 
yeah especially uh, especially in the in kind of the, the back half of it but kind of generally there's a pattern of like way too much friction that's happening here and i'm in the same boat as you gary where like i don't know uh, me at 11 years old playing this when it first came out like that person is still in there you know, you can never yeah. kill that part of you. And even like looking at this and taking an inventory of all the things that like Ocarina of Time solidified or like did the prototypical version of like like that is historically interesting and cool and like fucking admirable because go back to the Atari episode where we talk about somebody needing to invent the, co the concept of moving to a different screen, you know? Yeah. Um, but like adventure... <laughs> like adventure even yes. though i did that it's still pretty rough to go back to nowadays even if even if it was mind-blowing at the time this is obviously you know substantially different than that but like conceptually it feels very similar yeah there's there's some innovation things there's also some things that i think uh there's gonna be like a billion pet issues in this yes. episode because like one of the other things is some of the innovations are console curve innovations mm-hmm you know, things that, like, are not actually that new or interesting. They're just new to the console market. Mm -hmm. And that's always going to be a bugbear for me where somebody is like, oh, it's the first game to do this. And I'm like, nope. You know, like, PC games are doing it. Yeah. You just didn't play them. And, and like, <laughs> I'm not saying that doesn't matter to your experience. I'm saying that it, it matters in terms of, like, giving credit for a brand new thing. Yes. Um. You know, so there's that element. Um, there is, uh, the element also, when you talk about what this codified, there are the good things that codified mm -hmm. in terms of 3d action games. It's also responsible for a, like me not liking Zelda games <laughs> for a very long time. Yeah. Like as somebody who loves Zelda one, two, and three and loved them all when they came out, this is the game that started all of the things I don't like about Zelda. Yes. I'm not exaggerating. Like everything that I don't like about Zelda mm -hmm. started here or maybe a little bit in Link's Awakening, but was were restrained from having the Game Boy-ness. Yeah. Like Link's Awakening had the like absolutely obtuse inventory fuck aroundery, you know, mm -hmm. all the time, shit like that. Yeah. There's something I like Link's Awakening a lot more than this game. Um, but there are some things that game does. Yeah. They're not great. And I love Majora's Mask, but not because of how it plays. Mm -hmm. It's just because of how weird it is. And then, bam, there's like 10 games that I don't want to play ever again in my life, <laughs> all of which I have touched, and it doesn't get good again until Link Between Worlds. Right. And then it's good again, and I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. shit, Zelda. <laughs> you know, and then Breath of the Wild, I'm like, oh, shit, Zelda. But yeah. this is the game where they, like, Nintendo trapped themselves yeah. in an ocarina of time-shaped cage. And they also trapped like. a lot of the industry, too, because for as many, you know, people who took, like, the lock-on combat um, and like the, you know, the open and relatively populated world, you know, like all those, you know, mm -hmm. good things. There was also, you know, like 15 years of, you know, 15 years of very bad copies of this. Yeah. Go and listen to Abject Suffering, you know, to hear us talk about like Star Fox Adventures or that Skittles game <laughs> that came yeah, out. Like, yeah. This kind of became the model for very talky, you know, very collecty, um, just kind of bland games. Yeah, Hero's Journey with go get, you know, a certain number of things and you get an item and you use that item on the boss. Yes. And then and then in 
you know, the most disappointing thing, then never really use that item again most of the time. Yep. No, there's you know? there, there's very little synthesis except in the final the final dungeon here. So I want to take this moment to, you know, reiterate what you said, Gary. If we were just trying to make everybody happy, we would be far more glowing about this. You know, this is a game that people love. It is so important. It was important to me. I have fantastic memories of this. But we're not going to modulate that way because I don't have an awful lot of substance to say if I'm pretending to be uniformly positive yeah, yeah. on this. I, I don't know. pretend anything. Like, I can't pretend on the show. I don't no, pretend. No. And um, so, like, yeah. understand that us taking a look at this and saying the negative things that we are about both this game and kind of what it did to this series in general, we intend no disrespect to you. Oftentimes we try to avoid this kind of hedging. I just know that this is something that a lot of people, you know, take no, pretty seriously. They can, they care about it. They hold it close to their heart. And I, yeah. and I understand that, but you know, I, I would just ask you to be kind or, you know, yeah, yeah. be gracious well, and, hear, and hear us out. And if, if we're making you uh, angry, uh, turn us off. <laughs> but maybe don't yeah, yell true. at us. <laughs> yeah, don't, 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 don't need to just, like, set, you know, set through it if yeah. you don't like it. Like, it, it's a thing, too, where I think also that any, like, a critical evaluation, like, an honest critical evaluation, nothing is beyond that. Yeah. You know, um, I don't, under like, I, I don't understand the idea that, like, something, because it's important to a childhood is is beyond this. And there's going to be tons of things that are just like subjective where it's like, because, because of kid memories or just because, you know, different sensitivities, mm -hmm. I'm going to be like, yeah, it sucks how much backtracking this is. Or like the lens of truth sucks the stars from the sky. It's just, <laughs> and I, it's like how daredevil is a blind guy who has the superpower to see. Yep. It, it's a, uh, it's, it's like, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it's that in item form. It's horrible. Yeah. You know, the boots suck. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm going to say those things and you're just gonna be like, no, the boots are the boots. Mm -hmm. Like to me, this is just elemental. Yeah. You know, there's no, there's no good or bad to it. It's just mm -hmm. Ocarina of Time. And I think that like treating something like that as untouchable is actually doing it an immense amount of disrespect. Yes. Um, and it's something that even like the creators don't like the creators mm -hmm. of this have come out in out against like the water temple, like for yeah. example, <laughs> like they've been like, yeah, that sucked. Like, we, we tried to fix it in the remake, but we did a bad job on that. Yes. Like, the, the, even the people who made this are not mm -hmm. saying that it's untouchable. So I would encourage people not to consider any of your media untouchable, mm -hmm. but certainly not a game from 1990, you know, a 20-year-old game. Yes. Like... Yeah. So, you know, in my head, when I'm modeling the, uh, you know, kind of the ideal audience for this, it would be somebody like us who probably played this a little, you know, played this and beat it voraciously around the time that it came out. Didn't touch it again for a while. Um, like maybe when it came out on virtual console or whatever. Um, and then is coming back to it, you know, like from the 3DS re-release onward, let's say. Yeah. We're probably not going to make you happy if this is a game that you replay every winter. Exactly. You know, or and or you could be the kind of person who's like, yeah, I'm interested in this intellectually. I'm not going to let my emotions get mm -hmm. wrapped up into it. And if that's you, kudos. Yeah. You know, good job. Because that I, I think that's the way to be. <clears throat> if you're not that person, that's great. I think that's a good thing to strive for, though, is just like... Yeah, I can handle this. Like, I don't have mm -hmm. to agree with all these criticisms. Yeah. You know? I love the Noah Calwell Gervais video on Bioshock Infinite, but he's wrong about every aspect of it. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I love that man. I think he's one of the best critics working right now. Uh -huh. I think he's so wrong about that game as to be, uh, 
like a weird fucking anomaly. So, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's uh, it doesn't mean that I disrespect him and I didn't go in the comments and scream at him or anything. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't want to spend like too much more time kind of bracing oh, yeah. for this. But, you know, the, like the, the, I just I have had anxiety dreams. expectation. Yeah. I've had anxiety yeah. dreams where like we release this and then our Patreon goes down to zero. <laughs> Oh, it'd be, it'd be pretty amazing. Yeah. In fact, I, in some ways, I would respect that as like a, just like, huh? Okay. You know, this in, in many ways, this like this year in this election cycle has been learning what's really important to people. Yep. Uh, and, and just being like, huh? I guess that's what's really important. To people. Wow, I was not plugged into that at all. Weird. Yeah, wow. Okay. Um, so this might surprise you, but uh, in this game, you play as Link as you explore Hyrule and seek to rescue Princess Zelda from the evil Ganondorf. I almost considered not putting that in the notes here. <laughs> but I, I was least... trying to sing us back in. Uh, <laughs> I, I, maybe I, nobody I... knows this game. It's wild if somebody listens to this and they're like, yeah, I don't know Ocarina. Ah, yeah. Ocarina what? Uh, this is like a, like a weird flute. <laughs> yeah. What the fuck's an Ocarina? The, the recorder of continuity um yeah. yeah no um and this is the fifth zelda game uh to come out mm-hmm. and it's the first 3d zelda game uh which makes it noteworthy for reasons that we talked about before and we're going to talk about in the future uh yeah. this is kind of one of the handful of one of the handful of franchises that jump from 2d to 3d while still retaining a good amount of what made the originals kind of you know feel like they did make it recognizable say. yeah recognizable yeah. there we go it's like the, this and mario and and this is built on a you know heavily modified version of the engine mm-hmm. for mario 64 and actually like i'm not the biggest mario 64 fan in the world but mm-hmm. i think that there is some like lessons in comparing those two adaptations yes you know which we'll talk about uh in the beginning of the real part of this episode because mm-hmm. one of my problems with this game is the absolutely intense and overbearing onboarding mm-hmm. it does uh early on yeah and uh as opposed to mario 64 was like hey you're in a field wouldn't it be fun to jump oh wait yeah. you can do it twice <laughs> and then that that pure feeling of expression and movement is not the same thing here they I, go for a different way i saw a backflip in a, in the commercial let me try it oh shit i just have to press these two buttons cool <laughs> yeah it feels so good like i yeah. love the tutorial of mario 64 mm-hmm. even if i think the back half of that game kind of falls down yeah um so in in a basic terms uh what you do is you control link from a third person um you use your sword your shield and use a wide variety of items uh in order to defeat enemies and solve puzzles uh, in an overworld, uh, do side quests, things like that, and then go into dungeons, which are kind of the famous part of the franchise. Yes. Um, and, you know, things that move to uh, 3D from 2D, uh, the area where they fall down is like the camera and the combat. You know, what happens when you cannot control where the camera is looking? Well, they kind of solved that problem um yeah by by introducing something called z targeting so the camera in this is automatic like you can't actually like you know there's the you know the the c buttons are mapped to your different items so you can't like you know figure out where it's going you know you can't point the camera where you want it to point um but when you engage in combat you hold down the lock on button your little fairy flies over next to the enemy and the camera stays focused on them um you know, and you lock on and point directly at them. Yes. Um, there are lock-ons that predate this, right? Like mm-hmm. Mega Man Legend came out before this and that has a lock-on. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, um, this is the, the specific way this works as to kind of enemies. This is kind of codified it. Yeah. 
you know, as a thing. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure like Mega Man Legends predates this. I like, believe Mega, uh, Mega Man Legends was 99, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I thought in Japan it predated this, but I could be wrong about that. Um, regardless of which, they, they, they roughly, you know, same same kind of development time, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're both being made at the same time. This was the solution to this. Yes. Um, and for the time, this is good. Like I like I, I prefer later lock-ons. Yeah. Like this one, there are a couple weird little Bush League things that they're hammering out the details. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so like it's functional. You lock onto the enemy, so you are now facing it all the time. It changes your move set so you can dodge. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's clever to tie your dodge rolling and such uh, to uh, you know your backflips and sidesteps to being locked on. Because mm-hmm. those are the situations which you need it. I think that's a good economy of buttons. Yeah, yeah. Um, what is uh, kind of frustrating to me is that it's the same button that points the camera forward. Yes. And you have to be looking at something to lock onto it mm-hmm. as opposed to locking on to whatever is closest. So uh, honestly, I think that the, the diegetic explanation for this is the big problem, like yeah, having it yeah. be related to the ferry. Um, the time that it takes the ferry to fly somewhere, getting the ferry to like recognize something mm-hmm. is friction. Yeah. Uh, that makes me take hits mm-hmm. in this game. Like there are enemies that are too fast to lock on to reasonably quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are enemies that are uh, too behind you to lock on to before they smack you. In the yes. Butt. Additionally, if there are multiple enemies, um, you know, and when you're fighting something that is like a duel, you know, like a style pose or something like mm-hmm. that, this isn't necessarily the case. But like if you're dealing with a bunch of smaller enemies, uh, the inability to quickly like cycle through targets is a later innovation that, that I ended up missing yes. as well. And and one of the ways they do like multiple duels, if you're fighting two uh, regularly human size enemies, the way they handle it is one of them just kind of basically sets out the yep. battle, which I didn't recognize for for a little while. I was nervous about that second guy. Uh huh. He just wants to watch. He's just over there standing. He's, He's doing his Fight time. Club Kid versus Skeleton Edition. <laughs> you know, like, what if a kid fought a skeleton? I'll just, I'm just, I gotta see how this plays out. You know? <laughs> that little guy hasn't done anything yet. Yeah, I know what he does. He's gonna, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh shit. For forgiveness, please. Kid's got moves. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, yeah, so uh, that's kind of how they handle that. And at its absolute, like, there's a lot of things. Uh, that I'm going to say this about in this game at its best, it's really good mm-hmm. at its worst. It's really not. And it's not consistent Yeah, because like when this is at its best, like you're fighting uh, an iron knuckle, you're fighting a Staphos, like it's pretty fun. Yep. Like this combat system works pretty well. Ironically, something that is an absolute joy in previous Zeldas, which is like mowing through bats and like small enemies, uh-huh. sucks ass in this game. <laughs> yep. It's horrible. Like taking, you know, switching either uh, trying to get the lock on to work or switching to first person to use ranged weapons, mm-hmm. um, which uh, allows you to uh, to kind of aim using the stick. If you're doing the 3DS version, you can make minute adjustments by tilting the system. That feels so good. Um, we, it, it works. Like yeah. it, it's necessary because otherwise... You know, it's it's really hard to aim. Um, and we both played the 3DS remake of this mm-hmm. uh, just for for clarification's sake. And if you're going to play this again uh, or for the first time, I totally recommend it. I cannot yeah. imagine going back to the Nintendo 64 version for basically anything. Yeah. Um, the inventory stuff is is worth the price of admission. Mm-hmm. Um, so like having to switch into that mode to aim at like a little bat or just do it is like doesn't work or is kind of tedious. Mm-hmm. Like it is, it's not fun fighting, fighting small things. It's only fun fighting like mini bosses. Right. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. Um, it just like, like weirdly when you're fighting little things or especially like flying things, it ends up like, it feels like you're trying to control it with mittens. Like there's a, there's yes. a distance, like there, there, there's a distance or an encumbrance between, you know, intention and action. Um, which is, you know, a, like a problem they did, they just didn't manage to solve and they still kept the flying enemies in there. Yes. Yeah. And it ends up being, you know, uh, interfacing with like a real pet bugbear i have have with a series mm -hmm. which is the obsession with destructible equipment yeah like and and just having a flaming bat come <laughs> and destroy my shield and giving me a chore yeah uh to do you know and sometimes they give you a shield right then but that's like why do it mm -hmm. um you know in the first place but then like giving me a chore to go gather up enough money and buy another shield what does that add yeah i, I should you know i just need, i, I should yeah. need to leave the dungeon once i'm in the dungeon <laughs> Yeah, that that's that's crazy town. Yeah, you know, sugarfly baby. <laughs> um, the, uh, uh, but yeah, like I found myself engaging more with the dual style stuff uh, in this playthrough, probably because mm -hmm. since the last time I played this, I have played many many Dark Souls games. Uh, yes. you know, where you are doing the lock on and dodge kind of stuff, um, and it's fun. <laughs> like it's real it's fun to good. like beat people out. Yeah, yeah. There, there's kind of like a, a a recurring thing where a lot of times enemies. Uh, we'll just kind of be invincible for a time mm -hmm. and then not be invincible. Yes. Uh, that's not super fun. Like mm -hmm. the, um, the wolf, the wolfos. Yeah. Yeah. Wolfos is not super fun to fight. Like there's some of those that are not so good, but I, every time I was fighting a skeleton or a knight, mm -hmm. uh, I was pretty into it. Yes. So th those, those are fun fights. Uh, in this, I also, I'm sure you have a, a point about this later, or we'll talk about it in general or in the next part of the episode. I think the bosses are also generally fun. Yeah. The issue being is in like in a game where you have to do quite so much backtracking, most of the rooms are going to be filled with these small fries mm -hmm. that I don't think are very fun to fight. Yeah. Um, and enemies, uh, refresh immediately when you leave a room. Yeah. So if you have to like come back through, you know, you're going to have to end up dealing with those. And that ends up being a problem of like, ah, dang, all those spiders that I cleared off the wall, those are back now. Stuff like yeah. that. It just ends up being like a task. Yeah. Like I, I didn't have the, the cr enough keys to go through the linear path of the forest dungeon. Mm -hmm. I have to go get another key. Every single time I go and test that thing and unlock the next one, there's that room with the two flaming skulls I have to block and then hit, you know, twice. Yeah. And, it, you know, it, yeah. And like, so in, the, and this gets to something that feels true of 3D Zeldas that is not true of 2D Zeldas, which is the only axis on which, like, difficulty or complexity can be added is to add more friction to the backtracking, add more yes. complexity, add more things that you just kind of need to do over and over again. You know, like, yes, the order of operations to clear a large, complex space does get just a little bit more complicated. But by and large, the consequence for failure or for suboptimal performance is going to be covering a lot of ground again. Yes. Uh, and that's, you know, if, if you had to, like, pin down... Well, I guess I would. Like, there's many. If yeah. you had to pin down my top three, like, issues that were <laughs> made this not fun to me, that would be one of them. Yeah. Is just the, the sheer amount of, like, empty backtracking mm -hmm. that you do. Um, the way that your actions that are not combat-related uh, are generally are done through a single button that are contextual. Mm -hmm. So this made the control scheme, you know, simplified it for the N64 controller. Um Real, you know, can can do some minor friction in that, like, oh, do I want to push a block or do I want to climb on it and just not waiting quite long enough mm -hmm. for that kind of thing. But generally, this works pretty well. Yeah. Um, and is fine. It's much better than having, like, a different button for 
push or a different button for grab and a different button for climb. I think that would have been a nightmare, especially in the N64 controller. Yeah. I, I just kept thinking, why doesn't just pushing up against it long enough make me climb it? Like in yeah. other video games. Yeah, like, like, like they do in video games. Um, additionally, like jumping and mantling your handle automatically. Um, this yes. just depends on like where you run and how fast, uh, this actually works pretty well. <laughs> um, I find, I remember being a kid and being super bummed out that I couldn't like jump around like, you know, like Mario that felt like, like I, I'm, I'm in 3d, I'm running. I should be able to just be jumping all the time. No, this yeah. isn't that kind of game. Inst- yeah, 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 for sure. And it, it ends up, so this is something I'm going to, you know, again, I'm going to, I am going to be a, a gray lining on a silver cloud, like win something. Cause I recognize that as cool mm-hmm. child Gary, which by which I mean an 18 year old man who could vote and go to war. Played this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like red a carpet shampooer um, <laughs> did think that was really neat. Like the, or you know, was bummed out that I couldn't jump, but liked how they handled it. Yeah. N- now I keep having the, like, I have this feeling of playing it where it's like, so the way it works is you run up to the ledge, you'll automatically jump. Um, why put that there? Mm-hmm. You know, like if, if it could just be a path, like there's no, there's no difference between a square and a square with a square space between them mm-hmm. that I can jump over in what I'm doing. Yeah. What is the idea behind even making a jump there in the first place? Yeah. Like, I, I feel like the jump in this game is really weirdly vestigial. Um, like not that I wanted a jump button and wanted to do platforming. Mm-hmm. It's more like why even have these gaps? I, I you think know, there aren't there. It, it might be like an uncharted thing where they wanted to make it cinematic. Like, hey, I you're think high, that's what it, I you're mean, high up, and yeah. it needs to feel like you're doing some acrobatics, right? And a lot of this game, I think, is about the illusion of like epicness and like the the cadence of adventure. Mm-hmm. You know, like the the feeling of all these kind of elements, none of which I think are excellent, kind of adding up to a gestalt that feels adventury. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's a skill to that. It just doesn't speak to me as much as it did when I was younger, you know? Yeah. And, like, it added up before, but somehow the numbers decayed in the intervening it, 22 it, years. They're they're different. So, like, yeah. I, uh, when I was doing this, I played, I was like, okay, you know, I know Link to the Past does a lot of the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Do I still like Link to the Past? And the answer is yes, and it's not nostalgia. Like, Link to the Past starts with a dungeon that's full of action. Mm-hmm. Like, you immediately, like, you wake up and you go into a dungeon. Like it is, it is starts a media race. Like the, the, it is a very differently paced game, even though mm-hmm. it is talkier than, you know, I prefer. And it, it introduces some of these things. It's restrained mm-hmm. by the fact that it's on a Super Nintendo. Yeah. You know, so it, it's not quite as cinematic. It's not quite as, you know, it still gives you that feeling of adventure, but there's a greater sense of play to it. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, the platforming in this game, again, and it's not really used for puzzles, I guess, is the other thing yeah. that is frustrating. Like, the, the, the interactive part of this is eyeballing a gap to see if you think you could make it. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually if there's a gap, you can make it, or there yeah. wouldn't be a gap. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then later it's eyeball a gap and think, okay, will the hover boots give me the slight edge that I need to make that? Nope, yeah. I fell, and I'm back at the beginning of the, of the big room. Yep. Okay. You got to climb back up. <laughs> yeah cool cool no. yeah so no. j- jumping does add the peril of more backtracking if you hit it at the wrong angle and just kind of whiff it so yeah uh, so that's the, that's a little bit of a bummer. Uh, something that is simultaneously less of a bummer and also a big one uh, is the items you can get. 
So like there are items in this. I think the hook shot is a miracle. Um, mm. you know, in, in 3d, like even coming back to it and under, you know, recognizing how limited it is compared to like what ideally the grapple hook would be like, it feels good. Shooting the bow and arrow feels good. You know, you expand Link's capabilities by, you know, finding these items, which are like the headlining pickup in that particular dungeon. Right. Um, however, like I, I, I guess I forgot how many pickups were just like non-functional upgrades to things that you were already able to do. Yeah, yeah. It, it's surprising because I think when people think about this game, they're thinking about oh yeah, like hookshot bow, you know, and not thinking <laughs> about the second half of the game where you get nothing of consequence. <laughs> right. Like the 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 gamer part of me that enjoys the treat mm-hmm. um, starves on the back <laughs> half of Ocarina of Time, yeah. where like. My treats are heart pieces mm-hmm. and like, you know, again, those fucking hover boots, which, you know, are kind of neat, mm-hmm. but are just so situational. Like the, everything, you know, we this has been like weird Metroidvania month in a way because yeah. tons of uh, Metroidvania DNA in this. And it's a lot of items that do the crime of only being useful as essentially a key. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the hover boots are a key to a certain like, quote unquote, puzzle. You know, whatever you'd want to call like a slightly longer gap. (laughs) Um, The the iron boots are used in that dungeon, but never used elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, The hammer is like a backup weapon you can use, but there's not really good reason to Mm -hmm. outside of like, you know, bodying Dark Link. Um, You know, there's just kind of limited stuff. And this has gotten worse as the series went on. Like, this is a problem in Link to the Past, but there are in Link to the Past, like there are exceptions to this as well. Yeah. You know, there are, there are bits that are kind of more creative uses or some cross cross uses. Yeah. Um, here it, it feels very like, how often did you use the boomerang after the boomerang dungeon? <laughs> and the boomerang's an iconic, cool Zelda weapon. Yeah. Like in, in later in, you know, in, in say a link to the past, like I use that shit in combat mm-hmm. up until I got the hook shot. Not really a reason to anymore. Like I can't. No. Like it, it, it yeah. only comes up like there, it, it, it'll pop up in like the two dungeons that you have to go to as child link. Um, yeah. Like specifically to hit a, uh, to hit a switch that that's behind a wall. Yep. Yeah. But it's not something that's like integrated very well into the, the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that lack of integration, you know, gets to a, you know, a major thing that is, you know, that was present in Link to the Past, but is a real problem here. We alluded to this. Items are really only useful in the dungeon where you found them. Yes, there are alternate strategies for certain bosses. There are some edge cases. Like, I understand you can use the iron boots to, like, not get blown away by those fans in the Shadow Temple. Um, yeah. There's very little, like, I, I guess, accumulation of interactions that they expect you to rise to. Um, in the, in, like in, in the dungeons after where you get an item. Yes. And this can be, you know, this is more of a problem in later Zeldas. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this is a problem here, but it's something that got worse. And I don't want anyone with all of the, you know, these things like, just think that I'm, I'm saying that Ocarina is the only game that does this. No, no. Like I, you know, I, I have enough criticism in my heart for the whole series that does this. Like any mm-hmm. game that does this kind of thing is going to get some of this, right? Like, yeah. it's not like, you know, and same thing when we get to Navi, like I understand that fee is worse, <laughs> you know, like I understand uh-huh. uh, fee is way worse, but yeah. that doesn't make Navi good. You know, like it, it doesn't, uh, the, oh, the, the worst is not the enemy of the bad. <laughs> you know, you, you cannot, you can, uh, yeah, they both can exist. <laughs> 
God, that's the most waff-ass thing I've ever heard anybody say. <laughs> like, it's just, uh, you know, this is this is the, 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 the thing that's on our plate. We're talking about Ocarina now. I know he sucks. Um, so, so this this is a bummer, the, the kind of lack of integration and mm-hmm. using this stuff out in the world, yeah. things like that. It's not a huge deal, uh, but it does cut down on that feeling of, like, empowerment, I think. Yeah. Um, you also end up getting some items, like, way late in that are just like either straight up useless or like just don't have enough uses, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the game, like, you know, mirror shield is cool, but you know, I didn't use it very often. Yeah. Like, other than a couple puzzles in that final dungeon and the boss that's needed for yeah. like the ice rod uh, or ice arrows rather, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. that wasn't worth it. Like, <laughs> that was a long dungeon. <laughs> that was a long, really bad, like really annoying dungeon. Yeah. Why, uh, though? You know, additionally, you know, after you get an important item like the hookshot, arrows, etc., uh, it's really, really obvious where in the world you're supposed to use them to the point yeah. where, like, figuring out how to deploy things. You're never really thinking around corners. It's pretty much just like there is a combination of geometry that acts as, as a sign that says use hookshot here to get the heart yeah. piece. Yeah. Yeah, the, it, there's no like kind of sim elementness to the hookshot, which is my big disappointment. Like, yes, redesign this game so it's very expressive and you can grapple onto most things. Mm-hmm. You know, like some arcane shit would be cool. Yes, uh, and and this this is not that. It's always just going to be individual points, which kind of reduces this thing that is about the freedom of movement to its aesthetics, mm-hmm. which I agree are really good. Like in general, I think the kinesthetics of this are great. Yes, like everything feels good and sounds good. Like mm-hmm. presentation wise, I have no problems with this. It's yeah. just in what I'm doing with my hands. <laughs> right. It's just in what what it all adds up to. That's how you spend your time exactly. here. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, I was thinking about. Uh, this is, this is just something Will, Will said that I, I again, waff ass things, right? Like we were talking about um, when people dismiss a criticism of, of something by saying it's optional, right? Like, you know, in Axiom Verge, we're like, hey, getting these lore notes sucks. And someone's like, well, you don't have to get them. And <laughs> I was saying how like something being optional is not a very good answer to a criticism. And Will was like, yeah, video games are optional. <laughs> I was like, yeah, like every part of the game is fucking optional, man. Yeah. Like I can just like walk away <laughs> saying like a part of it is optional does not really mean very much. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, additionally, to go back and address that straw man, the problem isn't that they're optional. It's that you accidentally stumble upon them in lieu of something else that would be cooler when it's you're the just exploring. Cost. Yeah. It's the opportunity cost. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so a, a big, uh, a big selling point or kind of hook or gimmick to this game is the ocarina, the titular ocarina, mm-hmm. which is a little tiny flute, uh, that they sold in Nintendo power forever. Um, <laughs> like and up until the, the last, uh, uh, like up until the last issue of Nintendo power, I think they were still running that fucking ad. Yeah. yeah. So you could get a, a replica ocarina unofficial, um, and this, uh, you can play melodies that are basically spells. Yes. Um, you know, they, they do different effects. Um, this is something where, uh, I like all of these individual songs mm-hmm. and I have nostalgia for them. The process of playing them takes time that I don't want to spend. And I know that makes me sound like a baby, but you do it a million times. Yeah. Like in any <clears throat> of the, the situations where you have to continuously play a song. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking at you like, you know, water temple where you play the song to change the dealie, yeah. you know, or do, or anytime you're change, playing a song to affect a dungeon in mm-hmm. general. Um, it just takes a bunch of time. Got to watch this animation. Got to yeah. go and try to remember the song. Got to look at the songbook. Yeah. It's um, the, it's like the weird like spell effect part of it. 
um, as the rest of the melody plays out, but actually takes mm-hmm. up too much time. It's like, it's like weirdly congruous with, um, with like summons and final fantasy a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good comparison. Yeah. And it's not as long, but you'll be doing them way more often. Yes. Um, so it's like, I, I don't, I don't love these, like having a different song for fast travel. Mm-hmm. I don't love it. Like, I, I, I just feel like that's, it's again, that friction p- piece. Yes. You know, and, and this is, this is aside from the fact that I do have affection for a bunch of these songs, mm-hmm. like a lot of, you know, well, we have a whole bullet point on aesthetic. So if you're just being like, yeah, but the, the, the forest song is so fucking good. Sorry, song is good. I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. It is really good. Like, it's you know, fucking, we're, you know, we're like what, what game you, oh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it there. Um, yeah. I, I like for, for what it's worth, I like messing around with this as a, as an item, like again, mm-hmm. casting back to 11 year old Cole, um, like I would hold the N64 controller up to my mouth and press the buttons. <laughs> I, I don't like, I realize that is like super dorky. Okay. But like, I was, I was into it, man. Yeah. No, no, I, I, I get it. Yeah. Uh, it is, it is super dorky. Yeah. Um, the, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and, you know, no, nobody, nobody, I'm, uh, I'm buy to... Cold's virus encrusted Nintendo 64 <laughs> controller off eBay. Unless you want to clone them like Jurassic Park. Ah, I didn't, bit. I didn't blow into it. <laughs> I just kind of, you didn't. Uh, I'm, um, I'm trying to be more i'm trying to be more vulnerable gary no, i appreciate it uh, i'm just gonna smack you down though every single time okay so. cool it's uh, i'm trying to make you less vulnerable i'm trying to toughen you up for this big bad world the lee r emery of uh fireballs you maggot um <laughs> no no i just think that's it's funny yeah i think if i said the same thing you would have laughed as well i probably would have uh, or no if, yeah. if, if you had said the same thing i would say hey i did that too cool man Oh, uh, well, <laughs> la-dee-da. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, it is, it is fun to have a musical instrument mm-hmm. uh, as a thing. And it's like they do a lot of work with those five notes. Yeah, it's know? a miracle of composition, actually. Yeah, it's it's pretty neat. Like yeah. they, they, they do do some good work mm-hmm. with this. Um, it's, it, it's really cool in concept. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a thousand in the Nintendo 64 version. This was way more intolerable because you'd have to get out the item. Yeah. Uh, again, just in terms of what the 3DS does is just map it to a button that's always there. Yeah. Um, that's very smart. Mm-hmm. So very smart. Uh, so um, uh, other big twist, other big twist. So we have the Ocarina of Time, but that's not necessarily like the, the, the time travel part of this. The time travel part of this is that after three dungeons, um, after you collect like the three sacred stones or whatever, you get into the temple of time and link grabs the master sword. But as he is too young, basically the forces of time keep him in stasis for seven years. And then you play the rest of the game as adult link in this darker world that is ruled, uh, by this oppressive, uh, Ganondorf adult link can't use all the same items. Um, yeah. And you are kind of like going back through and kind of like unlocking these areas from scratch again, kind of. Do you remember, uh, how you felt Cole when you turned to the age where you could no longer throw a boomerang? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like like my my boomerang skills have only gotten better or stayed the same Uh, over time. That's what I think. I feel like my boomerang skills have largely stayed the same, (laughs) but according to legend of Zelda, you forget. Yep. Um, I, I forgot how to hold a stick. Fuck. Yeah, ah. um, uh, I'm too old now. I've got pubes, so I can't hold a branch. Um, Catches fire in my hand. Turns to ash. <laughs> um, so yeah, so th- this is a, 
I think, you know, again, going to be a gray lining on stuff. Mm-hmm. I really wish more was done with the time travel in this. Me too. I love time travel stories. The uh, the moment where you come out and everything is dark and fucked up. Mm-hmm. Really cool. Yes. Like, undeniably super cool. Seeing, even is, just seeing how the, like, the Castle Town Square is just yes. now full of re-deads just, like, looming there. Like, Great. the top ten moment for me. Yeah, yeah. Really, yeah. really cool. Um, but what is like less cool is that the only way that the time travel interfaces is through planting seeds Mm -hmm. to get collectibles, uh, or, uh, through the weird, like closed time loop song of storms thing, which I actually like a lot, Yeah, but there's not, it's not used in puzzles really. Like, and a big reason why it's not used in puzzles and talking about friction is that every time you want to make this swap, you have to go back and stick the sword back in the hole. Yes. That make that was a horrible move mm-hmm. uh, on behalf of the designers in terms of like scope of this because if you could do that from playing a song or something, you could have this be an element of puzzles in the dungeon. Yeah, and that's a really good idea. Mm-hmm. Like being able to advance time seven years, and like oh, like this this bridge is rickety and stuff, but if I go back seven years ago, it's still in good shape. Mm-hmm. Like you could have had puzzles, yeah. Instead did. of what you have, instead of puzzles, which are, you know, like, whatever you would call like what Zelda calls puzzles, yeah. Um, well, like we need, we need to Prince of Persia warrior within this shit, you know. It would be amazing. Like it's yeah. a really cool idea, and it's frustrating to me because uh, Link to the Past does this right. Mm-hmm. Like they give you a mirror you can use whenever you want. Yes, to swap between worlds. Like you can, you get those little teleporters to do it in a limited sense, but then eventually you can just go mm-hmm. and teleport. It happens really quickly, as opposed to playing the song to, to teleport back, mm-hmm. watching the animation for that, watching the animation to turn back into a kid link, and then you know huffing your way back to where you wanted to be a kid. Yeah. Um, it's not necessary very often, but mm-hmm. that doesn't make it better. It ends up making it kind of worse to me because it's a really big <laughs> missed opportunity. It's weird because these headlining aspects of the game, uh, the ocarina and the adult and kid link and the fact that the world gets worse uh, in the future, mm-hmm. like it implies that this is going to be a kind of game that it is not. And I yeah. think that like, you know, for me, I was like, I went back into this remembering that there was more interaction between the past and the future. Right. And I was me really too. like, you know, the, like some of the wind was taken out of my sails when I realized how limited the expression of that idea is you, you in play specifically. The lion's share of the game just as adult Link running around. Yeah. You know, like it, it's basically, a, you know, has a prologue as child Link mm-hmm. and then your adult Link and then one little blip. Yes. You know, with a dungeon that's bisected. But it, it, it's not very much play between those two things. Yeah. And, like, the first time I did the seed thing, that's really neat. But mm-hmm. it, it has the cadence of another collectible because there's just patches and seeds you can buy. And there you go. Every single, <laughs> and every single one of them leads to a Skulltula or a heart container because your reward structure is constrained by your inventory, mm-hmm. you know, or your economy in a video game. And that's a, a big thing here. Yes. Um. So it ends up, it's also like when you say, uh, supposed to be a game that it's not supposed to be one of the other things I was thinking about, and you talked about this, uh, you're talking about looking forward to getting back into the game is that I think in my mind, because they're in the same engine, uh, I had blended some Majora's mask things yeah. into this, like this has some weird darkness. Mm-hmm. It has not nearly enough weird darkness for my taste. Yeah. I like, like it seems like the world of uh, like the world under Ganon would be. 
you know, would have more different about it than like a lake is frozen and a, you know, a mean guy got control of the ranch. <laughs> Luigi owning a ranch is not a crisis. <laughs> like g- giving Luigi a ranch is not the kind of thing I want in a dystopian future. Right. You know? <laughs> Um, and, and like, and yeah, it doesn't have that kind of like tone to it. Like there are, mm-hmm. ele- there are moments where it comes through, like being in the town square, as we mentioned. Yeah. But then you go back, you go to Kakariko village and it's, there's those two fucking idiots laughing yep. that, that have been there the whole time. 20 faced mm-hmm. morons, just like having a ball. And I'm like, what is, the world's going to die. And, <laughs> and it, it's, yeah. you know, I talk about things that got, you know, that I don't like in Zelda that got started here, that was my big thing in Breath of the Wild, too. Mm -hmm. Like, why does every town I go to, why is it a verdant paradise full of happy people? (laughs) I get that you are going for a very gentle, sweet hangout vibe Mm -hmm. all the time, but it undercuts my sense of stakes Yeah, to have everything be quite so idyllic. Mm Mm-hmm. As it is. And and it just, it's, it's a bummer. Like, I don't need, you know, Link to be like, I don't need like Spec Ops the Link. You know, I, I, I don't like asking for that. I just mean like Majora's Mask is what I'm asking for. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, which we, we will do someday, even though I need a long break, because that's not going to be any more fun to play. Mm-hmm. It's going to have awesome atmosphere and stuff, but it's going to have all the same mechanical problems, I think. So going to need a break before Majora's Mask. Mm-hmm. Um, but that will at least have some tone. Yes. Yeah. Um, Something about this that, you know, was really impressive at the time and I think still, you know, tickles me a little bit uh, conceptually is this wide open world uh, Mm -hmm. that that happens here. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like the like, you know, stepping out into Hyrule Field from Kakariko Village, not not, uh, Kokiri Forest, rather, uh, you know, is still a moment that I hold pretty dear. And this just kind of wasn't really a thing on consoles. You know, PC had Elder Scrolls Arena and Daggerfall before this. Uh, But like, you know, having this be a big open place where you could go anywhere and you know, just kind of exist in the space and talk to people and see what they did at different times. Uh, that was cool. And it almost didn't happen for technical reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. Yeah. Like it, it is, it is a cool thing. I mean, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of words have been spilled about how empty Hyrule field is. Yes. Which I agree with. Like, I do think that needs more incident. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, so, so what what you lose with that wide openness is like in Link to the Past and in uh, Link's Awakening, the overworld is a dungeon in and of itself, it's right? Full of secrets. Yes. In in Ocarina, it, there's ghosts sometimes, <laughs> uh, and you, if you want to do the ghost collecting thing, mm-hmm. uh, which is tedious, you can. Um, and, and that's, that's kind of it that it's, it's very similar to that moment of coming out into Hyrule Square, right? Like mm-hmm. I agree with you. The moment of coming out there, having the music swell up yeah, is a great moment. Like mm-hmm. that, that tugs at your heart. Like that, that gives you the cadence of adventure and the feel of adventure very well. Mm-hmm. And then, but it's, it's a Potemkin village. Like you, you go behind that, that screen, you know? And it's just a big empty field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's surprisingly few areas of import in this world. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like a town, three dungeon hubs, a ranch, and a castle. Yeah. And at a forest town. Yeah. And, that, and that's it, basically it. Like, there's not a whole lot. And I will take an, I'll take this moment, you know, understand the tension that we are living in, you know, purposefully here. You know, in, important slash innovative versus fun and satisfying. Yes. Like the world has changed, the video games have changed, our experiences change in these twenty-two years. 
And though this kind of started a movement toward where we are now, like a little bit of that specialness is taken away because it is a worse implementation. Like necessarily it is a worse implementation than like a lot of stuff that we see here. And it's not like when I was a kid, you know, after that initial moment of like being impressed by Hyrule Field, I was just like giggling maniacally every time I was in Hyrule Field. <laughs> right. Like, I, I mean, I'm a kid. When I was an 18 year old man who could vote and die in war, um, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like at, at that time I was into mm-hmm. the feeling of traversing this field back and forth. Yeah. You know, like you get, you get the horse and it's more fun mm-hmm. uh, than if you didn't have the horse. But I still remember just being like, okay, this person told me to go here. I got to go here if I want this big sword. Let's go. Yeah. You know, and just it still felt task-like as a kid. Mm-hmm. It's just those moments of magic shown really – showed like really bright. Yeah. I no. feel like. And even as an adult, like going out to that part – and an adult, I mean now um, – it's uh, it still feels really good. Mm-hmm. Like that moment is really special when you get out to the field. It can still feel really good blasting across the field on a Pona. Yes. Um, that can be a good feeling. I don't think the game would be harmed by having more incident. Yeah. You know, in, in the field and having the overworld feel like a dungeon, you know, like, like, like you said, like it is in, in link to the past. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the, the area has these characters, so some of them have side quests, unique problems to solve. Um, the uh, the dialogue, you know, does not have this weird kind of uh, the king lives in the castle, you know, over and over bit like previous Zelda games did. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no like weird specific airs right. in, uh, in the dialogue either. Like it's, you know, it's well translated for what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only a couple characters in this game I really like. Yeah. Uh, there are a couple of them that mm-hmm. I think are pretty fun. Uh, but you kind of have to vibe with it and recognize like, oh, this is a cartoon. Mm-hmm. Like this, these characters are working on a children's cartoon level yes. of, of stuff. And again, this is something that would be totally remedied 180 in Majora's Mask where mm-hmm. like the characters are much more likable and easier to get into, I think. Yeah, they're much more relatable because they live in an existential crisis. Yeah, like they're sad. It's not just the two laughing carpenters who have spent seven years laughing like some kind of fucking curse. Uh, <laughs> You know, and just like, ha, 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 Ganon's going to kill everybody. Yeah. <laughs> We're you all going to die. Yeah. We're all going to die. Whoa. <laughs> um, so, you know, there, there, there's a big world, people to talk to. There is stuff to do. You know, we talked about these side quests, you know, like you can get a horse in this. Man, I remember mm-hmm. there being more to do with the horse, Gary. You don't do very much with the horse. <laughs> no. I, I distinctly, I have like a crazy memory that was distinctly, it was the, mm-hmm. uh, the mini game at the um, Gerudo area, but I was like, oh yeah, you have to do horse archery at some point. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's interesting. Uh, and one, it's less interesting because it's basically a rail shooter. Uh, <laughs> but, but two, you don't have to, uh-huh. <laughs> like it's, it's just a, a, somebody offers it to you. Like in my mind though, that was part of a puzzle or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the ranch is very weirdly superfluous in this game. Like other than getting the horse, mm-hmm you know, for the ranch and getting a couple heart container pieces. Like initially, uh, in the initial plans, um, Luigi Ingo was going to burn down the ranch out of spite. <laughs> I love um, that. I love that too. But then somebody said like, what if people want to go back to the ranch? <laughs> so, in, and I was like, <laughs> like you, you could say no. Yeah. Um, you know, Nintendo, you can say no to somebody. Yeah. Uh, you know, so yeah. So instead you just go back there and if you want to, you can race around. Yeah, you know, jump jump over some fences, yay! Yep. Uh, just uh, stick it, <laughs> stick a carrot like smack 
the horse's butt with a carrot. Mm-hmm. You know, which is one of, this is one of the like most gaslighty semiotic things in video games. Yep. Like it's it's literally the carrot and hitting the horse. Like it's literally the carrot and the stick <laughs> and you use up a carrot to hit your horse. Yeah. Well, you you, you got to eat something to provide the energy for you to whack the, the shit out of that horse. An animal. Yeah. Like it, it is so gaslighty. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, um, the, but there's other like long, you know, long form quests that, you know, take up a lot of the game. You've got, you know, the, the mask trading sequence, you have the uh, bigger on quest, like the FedEx, uh, yeah. quest that shows up again here we're going to talk about those when we like get to them um yes. you know again the world felt more populated and it felt like there was just kind of like more to existing in it back in the day like it, it feels weirdly like going back to shenmue kind of sure yeah. like yeah the big big shenmue vibes for for all that's you know worth the um in general like the you know we'll speak about those things generally in kind of a uh, or more specifically in a general sense what i think that's doing or what that contributes to the game um and this this plays into this slow opening which we'll talk about but is like a hangout vibe yeah uh that the game really wants to have like the game wants you to set your own rhythm of <laughs> like hey i feel like fishing now like i feel like taking a break i'm going to go fish for a little bit mm mm-hmm. Um, you know, I feel like going to a dungeon, I'm going to go to a dungeon now. I think that's the intent. I think what ends up happening though, a lot of the time is it kind of preys on some completionism. Yeah. Kind of, kind of marks. And this kind of starts the, uh, again, breath of the wild trait of making fun of the person who does completionism. Yes. You know, in breath of the wild, you do all of the Korok seeds, you get a little golden poop and this, you do all of the skulltulas, you get $200, which is absolutely <laughs> don't, meaningless. Don't spend all in one place, buddy. Kid. Yeah. Yeah. You have nothing to buy left. Here you are. Yeah. Um, the game doesn't want you to do these things. Mm-hmm. Like it is the, the messaging of the game is like, Hey, don't do this. Yeah. You know, but you, it still is a thing. Like, Everything that's written about this game, every walkthrough, every like bit of commentary is written with the assumption that you will do literally everything in it. Mm-hmm. And the that hangout vibe to me, when it works, it's really great because mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, I want to go run around this town and figure out what to do with these fucking cuckoos. Um, <laughs> when it doesn't work, it's very frustrating to me because it is the epitome of task. Mm-hmm. Like the FedEx quest to get the the bigger on sword, which I did because I I remembered it being really useful for later bosses. Yes. Um. I just like you know okay here's what I have to do and it's like sit down for twenty minutes mm-hmm. and do the thing. Yeah. And it was just me going back and forth, just crisscross the nothing map. Nothing to it. Yeah. Just crisscross the map. Literally nothing to it. I don't like the FedEx quest in Link's Awakening mm-hmm. at all. Like I think I think those are bad, and it it became codified in the series. Like people are just got to have a FedEx quest. Mm-hmm. Why? I just I just don't know what this is adding. It's like, the way we've always done it. There's a lot of this is the way we've always done it yeah. going on in here. And, like, I didn't end up doing the mask trading quest. And that is another thing where you get uh, the mask of truth, which allows you to get gossip mm-hmm. from your little clock stones. Yeah. Um, which fill in the backstory, which, you know, is not, is not something that's going to motivate me particularly uh, in this game. And also, I don't – that quest is actually really, really bizarrely, like, signaled. Mm-hmm. Like, knowing the next step. <laughs> for the mass quest is for a game as intensely guided as this, that part really lets you loose. Yeah. Uh, and does not feel good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, in addition to those, you do have a lot of things to collect. You've got the, you know, 100 Skulltula coins. Uh, the heart containers are always out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that like some of the heart container puzzles are pretty clever. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, specifically they felt really cool at the time, um, because they asked you to engage with 3d space in a way that you like, you just couldn't before, um, yeah, which is yeah. kind of cool. Um, and a lot of them, you know, like do end up requiring using special dungeon items as keys to get them. Right. Um, so what's funny is I still have my old, um, my old, uh, it was, it was like a KB toys, uh, brand branded strategy guide for this mm-hmm. for Ocarina mm-hmm. of Time. And, you know, I, I just like pulled it out to look at it. It has some really like, like the maps are very like beautifully drawn, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Um, and I looked at the section with the heart containers and I saw like all of my pencil check marks on them. Yeah. I went and oh, did sure. all these as a kid. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, they, they remind me of like they're they're a more meaningful upgrade. Um, I, I agree that sometimes the puzzles are good for them. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I feel like you know maybe a third of them are pretty good little yeah, little tasks yeah. to get there, and sometimes the tasks themselves are inherently fun. Like you know, going through and gathering all the you know what's it like? It's not just a normal thing you'd you'd be doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes it's it's a checkbox thing. Like it's like oh, I planted a, a seed in the past, so I get this heart container. Yes. Um, you know, so sometimes they're they're a little bit less than. Um, one of the things I was thinking about this is that it has a little bit of the cadence. Like I had forgotten how collectathony mm-hmm. uh, 3D Zeldas had become. I never lumped it, it in with the, your banjo kazooies and whatnot. I, I didn't either, but it has a lot in common with it. Yeah, like it, it feels a little bit like packages in GTA mm, to yeah. me, um, just in kind of where they're hidden and, and stuff like that. Especially the sculptulas, um, which again, like I, I'm not, I'm not really on board for the sculptulas. Like I. I I like the idea of them, but them being a reward for me doing something like something happens a lot in video games. And we talked about it before on the show where you don't know where you're going. You're pressing against the edges of possibility space because you're trying to find a way forward. You have a eureka moment. You can go into a new room and then that room ends up giving you one fourth of a heart piece or a sculptula and mm-hmm. isn't the way forward, which you were looking for. Yeah. That can be a bad feeling. Yeah. Um, and that happened to me a lot in this game. Like me making my way through a dungeon being like, Oh, okay, this is probably what I needed to do. Um, I figured it out and then going in there and just having it being a room with a sculptula mm-hmm. and I'm like, fuck this sculptula. I don't care about this family, <laughs> you know, fuck these guys. I mean, seems pretty cool to live as a spider for that long. Yeah. Like they're, <laughs> they're having a good time. They live in a haunted house. Yeah. You know, Man, I would um, kill to be in a haunted house. Am I, in fact, I, I might would, have I would, to. I would die to be an account of you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um. So, um, the move to 3D changed the dungeons mm-hmm. as well. You have, all, you know, more verticality. Like, the idea that the dungeons are multi-story, like, actually factors in on this mm-hmm. quite a bit. Um, add some complexity. You know, spaces are kind of interleaved. You have, you know, rooms that are very tall that span two floors, etc. Uh, the thing that is a bummer about this to me, the complexity, whatever, um, the time tax for falling um, yeah. or for like, okay, like I got to the very top and I couldn't go further. I don't have the thing that I need. I'm going to have to drop down to the bottom and then work my way back up to the top. Oftentimes through many like small satellite rooms uh, to get where he needs mm-hmm. to go. Like that additional space and verticality makes backtracking more problematic than it would have been than it was prior to this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will. It, it, so I agree with that. I also think that, um, and this is a, you know, child link, adult link, you know, child Gary, adult Gary thing Mm -hmm. where that those dungeons that are built to like, at the time this came out, 3d space was a puzzle for the audience, right? Like, you know, maybe, maybe you had been playing, you know, Duke Nukem 3d and you could, 
you know, you're, this was not the case, but if this was new to you, like moving around in 3d in this way, like this was the puzzle, right? Yeah. Um, so a lot of that stuff as an adult, that kind of additional complexity, it substitutes like things to do in that space with just knowing the space mm-hmm. as a puzzle. And that's not a particularly satisfying thing to me. Like I love the compression of space, like in a souls. Yes. Right. Um, but I think about the undead bird and how, you know, first time it took me several hours to get through it and now I can do it in five minutes. Uh, I would not love the undead bird if uh, you were constantly falling back to the beginning of it and there weren't interesting challenges in the undead Berg that I overcame mm-hmm. that feeling of mastery of the space comes not with knowing the space, but with knowing the challenges within that space. Mm-hmm. And the, the challenges in these dungeons are just not very interesting. Yeah. Almost universally. There are, there are a couple of interesting puzzles. There is a lot of shooting an eye above a door. Yes. And, you know, maybe that qualified as a puzzle when you wouldn't think to look up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as onboarding for this audience, innovative, cool. As an adult, why am I being, why am I doing this? Yeah. Like, why do every time I go in this room, I have to shoot this eye above this door? Like, I don't know. It's just, it's not asking very much of me mm-hmm. and it's making me slow down. And th- that's a bad combination. <laughs> yeah. You know? the, 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 this is both not engaging and like keeping me from getting to the things that I would rather be doing. The engaging um, part. Yeah. Um, uh, And additionally, like, yes, the space is more complex uh, because of the additional 3D. Like, you're still going through it room by room. Like, it is quantized, you know, down into these little or compartmentalized down to these, you know, discrete units of puzzle combat and navigation that actually does. Usually one or the other. Right, right. That's the other thing, too. Like, um, this is a a point that I, I, you know, I remember hearing. There's a a famous video about this from... Mm -hmm. um, uh, a guy, a YouTuber, mm-hmm. whose name I can't remember, but he talked about how uh, one of the big differences between this and Link to the Past is that in Link to the Past, uh, you would be you doing your traversal and puzzle stuff at this in the same rooms that combat was going on. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, oh, I have to light all these torches, but there's some enemies here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of thing typically doesn't happen in Ocarina. No. Usually it's an either or kind of thing. And we're back to our old like, bugbear modal play. Modal play. Like, it's time for combat, time mm-hmm. to stop and do combat. Or it's time for puzzle, time to look for the torch I have to light or the eyeball I have to shoot. Yeah. You know, and and very, very little, you know, do those two things interact. And it'd be where those interact is where interest happens. Mm-hmm. Like you can demand more of me. Yes. You know, and 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 that's kind of a theme of my my playthrough. Like things I was like thinking as I was playing this is like you could ask more of me. Mm-hmm. Like I got more to give than this, you know? Yeah. And it's at this point that I want to remind the audience we are an experiential uh, podcast. Yeah, yeah. We talk about it as we experience it now. We are not trying to solely cast back to what felt new, you know, back at the time. You know, we are not intentionally holding down an old man and asking him, you know, why his teeth are gone. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. It, 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 you know, and yeah. as kids like this, you know, made a sense, you know, to us as well. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, like, oh, this stuff was kind of more challenging at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, as of now, though, like that, and that is the the essential contradiction of Ocarina of Time. Yes. Like, it's now, now I want, I would like more. You can ask more of me. Kid Cole, adult Cole. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's talk about uh, presentation and kind of the story, uh, story presentation, because this is going to be a, a chunk. Yes. Um, I got stuff to say about this. <laughs> um, so this is a much more complicated uh, story, and it is told cinematically. Yes. 
Um, so the uh, what that means is that there are kind of artful camera angles. Um, there are more cutscenes. There's a lot more dialogue and exposition. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, depending on your your proclivities, like that will either be a positive or a negative. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, you know, surprising no one, this is a big negative. Um, I, th- I think this game is far too talky. Um, and what words are there I don't think are great. Yeah. Uh, and that's the thing. Like a game can be talky if the words are good. <laughs> yeah. Words got to be good. Yeah. You know, I love talky games, but mm-hmm. you got to have good words. Yeah. And and this, uh, it feels so, and again, I'm not shitting anybody because I think this is like a game that was made for like kids in 1998, basically. Yeah. It feels so kiddy. Mm-hmm. Like the the story and dialogue and everything feels so like cartoon aimed at a very young person mm-hmm. to me that there is like very little in the way of humor or subtext or kind of like a uh, complication of motive. Yeah. Like, n- n- you know, like uh, there's a big twist with chic other than that though, like nobody lies. Nobody has a motivation that they don't state. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's an awful lot of the prophecy. Here's the prophecy and here's how it's unfolding today. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and to me, that is a bummer. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just, I'm not saying I want, uh, this to be disco Elysium. I'm saying that <laughs> right. I, I want this to be linked to the past, which is, uh, still have that stuff. Like you still, you talk to the sage in the church. Um, it takes a while. Uh, but then, then you go, then you go. And this stops you a lot to have, uh, she kind of pop down and do some purple, like Chris Claremont esque prose yes. about what's going on. And every single time that happens, like, I'm pretty bummed out. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're, you know, when the game is explicitly trying to be jokey, there are a couple of jokes I think are good. Yes. Um, there are a couple, like, bits where the charm, like, actually works on me. Mm-hmm. You know, L- but... Like, Link's facial reactions to stuff are always very funny to me. Yeah, he's got a real, like, you know, <laughs> kind of, it looks like a pita ingredient uh, <laughs> when, when people talk to him about stuff. Um, I can I can get down with that. Uh, sometimes, but like the, a lot of the times the, even that stuff, you spend a lot of time on it. Yeah. Like I get that, uh, the, the seventh level Innsmouth bride that is Rudo is, (laughs) doesn't like, is snobby and then horny. I understand that. Is it that funny though? Like, is, is it that good? I don't know. Like we, we spend a lot of time on that. I get that the, the Gorons are bros. Yeah. Is it that good? Like, do I need to know all the Gorons and all of their little dialogue about being bros and like eating rocks? I don't mm. know. Like this, this it has a weird feeling of like introducing the Gorons and the Zoras as races in this feels a little bit like Sonic introducing his shitty friends to me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I probably would have preferred not. Yeah. To, I, to, I remember um, this being much cooler in Majora's Mask as well. It is. Yeah. Like most of most of these things are cooler in Majora's Mask because yeah. that is a game that, you know, I think has all the same mechanical problems mm-hmm. with some some mechanical solutions like the, the time limit stuff is neat. Mm-hmm. But it is a game that has so much more weirdness and yeah. just like density of incident. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to I want to talk about uh, how this game, its approach to onboarding and its approach to like a guided experience. Yes, that is impossible not to talk about because the first hour of this was taken as a template for so many games. Yes. Uh, Zelda and otherwise. Yeah. I mean like, and Um, uh, understand fee is worse. Uh, The opening to Twilight princess is like 10 times more egregious than this, but like there are a lot of anti-patterns that were established here. 
Yes. Uh, you know, and, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to play Skyward Sword either. You know, I'm not going to play Tower of the Princess either. Like I don't, nothing would get me to replay those games. Like I, you know, I never, I never beat a uh, Twilight Princess or mm-hmm. no uh, Skyward Sword, but I'm not going to replay those games. No. Um, but even at the time I was frustrated by them because of this attitude where like, again, at its worst, like Nintendo is a company that sometimes feels like the absolute last thing that they ever want to have happen is someone feel lost for even a second mm-hmm. about what to do about very basic things but don't mind them being lost about like who the fuck gets to see this mask, you know, like there are things or like, Oh, I have to play the storm song next to this tree, not the time song. Mm -hmm. And that causes a sculpture to pop up. Why? Like (laughs) that kind of stuff they don't need to explain, but the idea like, you know, press a to breathe in, press B to breathe out needs to be constantly told to you. Yeah. And it's fucking weird. Like, so Navi is obviously the, 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 poster child of this mm-hmm. and we have been through many lashes backlash and forward lashes of navi yes like i've seen lots of takes like navi's actually not that bad i was complaining about navi on twitter and someone's like what are you talking about like she basically shuts up after the uh the third dungeon she nope. doesn't though. That's, <laughs> that's not that's like categorically untrue mm-hmm. like what happens is she stops taking the camera control away from you yeah but the the listen never listen stops. listen it gets worse in the uh the 3ds version as well uh, because, because she wants you to go learn how to play the game through watching a video of someone playing the game yep. at one of those little stones. Yeah. Or she's telling me to take a break. <laughs> I, that, man, that, that take a break thing is so annoying. I, I, I hate her. Yeah. Like I, I, I hate this as a design philosophy. I think it's very vile mm-hmm. to just be like, I think it's really inelegant. Yeah. Like the best way to tell a person how to play your game is doing include a little goblin that tells you how to play the game via text all the time mm-hmm. is a real de- failure of imagination in game design. Yeah. Um, and like, like, look at like, or, like things that get universally praised, like the beginning of Mega Man X, right? Yeah. It teaches you how to play without talking. Mm-hmm. This is the opposite of that. Do, do you think that they felt that the stakes were so high with how complex this was, you know, compared to previously, like, you know, link to the past doesn't really have this problem. Do they think that they felt that, if they biffed the explanation and people were unable to, you know, figure out what to do, you know, this game would get the reputation of being off-putting, alienating, etc., and it wouldn't succeed. So they doubled down and like crushed the bunny in trying to make sure that didn't happen. Like that I seems like the most ex- that feels yeah. like the most logical explanation to me. Nintendo had so much writing on this. Yeah. But they were so confident with Mario 64, mm-hmm. which they also – they had more writing on, mm-hmm. you know, being the launch title, and has a very confident tutorial Yeah, that trusts the player. This is more complicated than Mario 64, arguably. Mm-hmm. Like, Mario 64 has a way more acrobatic moveset, and yeah. I would argue that platforming in Mario 64 is more complicated and difficult than combat. Yes. Is an Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could argue that this is more complicated just yeah. because you're doing more things like you're, yeah. there's more verbs, mm-hmm. but they overcorrected so hard <laughs> uh, on this. Like it is just, uh, and it's, oh, it's a mistake to overcorrect as well as undercorrect. Yeah. Like, you know, do you want food that's not salty enough or way too salty? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I'd prefer to not have either. Like they both suck. Yeah. Um, 
and that owl man <sighs> yeah like, kipora gibora uh fuck that guy i think that you know i i will engage in the uh let's say resuscitation of navi's reputation if it means that any of that hate goes over to that fucking owl <laughs> the, the owl does go away though I think to, maybe when to people ex- are like, it he goes, still he still pops up. Like he it's, still pops it's up, kind of kind of infrequently, but he still pops up. He's not in dungeons though. Yeah, <laughs> like Navi is constantly doing a thing where I can be uh, in Kokoriko Village, and then I'll get like a hey, and the screen is literally going Navi, 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 <laughs> Navi, and I'm like, well, this must be Gabo. important. I'll click the Navi button, <laughs> and you click it, and Navi says, "Didn't Princess Zelda tell us to go to Kokoriko Village?" And I'm like, "You little twit! Like, where do you think I am? How does the game not have a flag? Like, if in Kokoriko Village, have Navi not tell you to go to Kokoriko Village? Yeah, that." That feels very basic to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate her. And yeah. I think I hate her from what she does to your onboarding and your experience. Um, it ruins a lot of atmosphere. Yeah. Because in these dungeons that could be kind of spooky, like, you know, the, the most powerful, like, antidote versus spookiness is whistling in the dark. Like, having something constantly talk to you mm-hmm. makes things not atmospheric and lonely. So you also actually converge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't like how she functions as a diegetic lock-on mm-hmm. because of that time it takes to lock on the way that she has to see the thing in addition to you. Like, I think she's a failure on every level. This is so the, uh, like it's the lock on. Isn't just a thing for combat too. Like she needs to lock onto things in the environment for you to inspect them or talk to them or like, even more importantly, like have your uh, ocarina song affect it as well. Yes. Like she needs to turn green and hover around something that is going to be changed by the song of time. Yes. Yeah. Uh, very frustrating. You know, like imagine like having, you know, I can't see something until somebody sees it first, mm-hmm. you know, which sounds like a, like a doom patrol villain, <laughs> but it, it's, it's not, uh, I just, I just find her very frustrating and yeah. everyone who told me like, oh, well, she basically shuts up partway through it's, it's, you lied. Like, it's mm-hmm. not true. You haven't played the game in a while because that literally doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just, I trusted you. Know, you. I trusted you. Who wants to be nagged the entire time you're playing a game? Have somebody just going, Hey, Hey, like the whole, like, it's like, it's like, I didn't take out the garbage yeah. and my mom is yelling at me to take out the garbage for the entire time I'm playing Ocarina of Time. <laughs> it's a lot. It is kind of a constant pebble in your shoe. It is a pebble. It's only a pebble, but it's always in your shoe. Yeah. And you cannot get rid of it until the mm-hmm. end where like Gen's like, you can't use your lock on for this fight. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking A. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty, uh, <laughs> seems pretty important, buddy. <laughs> like, I don't understand. Like, are you trying to get me to like Navi? <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> um, oh man. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just like the process at the very opening of this, where, you know, Navi, you know, goes and rescues you and it starts out the, you know, you are a kid in the village. We'll talk about that, but like, just as, you know, again, as part of the onboarding, very, very basic things are explicated, uh, far too much. Yep. There, there are, this game starts off with, um, three to four guide sage guide characters. Yes. Or ends up with that between the tree, the owl, Navi and Sheik, Mm -hmm. um, and the sages. Like you, you are constantly having a character guide you in this, in a way that feels so anti, and this is a tired point, but I think it's true is so antithetical to what I experienced in Zelda, which is that being lost and being me against the world. Mm -hmm. You have, you have a powerful coalition, (laughs) <laughs> in, the, in this game of advisors and 
I don't want a powerful coalition of advisors. No. I want to be like in dropped in the middle of danger and be myself and have fun. I want to be the underdog. I want to be resourceful. Yep. And this game doesn't allow that because that's not the narrative. The narrative is a chosen one kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And because of that increased, you know, because of Nintendo's nervous, nervousness about anybody, even for a second, not knowing to press <laughs> A in front of, you know, the right thing. And Nintendo's, you know, wanting to tell this story that is this grand cinematic scope. They threw out something incredibly valuable and unique. Yes. Uh, and left it out for the almost the entire series. Mm -hmm. And then now everybody loves Breath of the Wild because it tried to gain back a little bit of that magic. Yeah. You know, so <sighs> link between worlds, man. Yeah. Link between worlds. That got to be the next Zelda. It's a good it's one. So, it's so good. <laughs> it's really good. Fun game. Yeah. Um. So aesthetically, in a general sense, um, the Nintendo sixty four version has aged pretty poorly when it comes to visuals. Yeah. Uh, it does not look good. Yeah. Um, colors are really washed out. Uh, Link looks like a weird mutant. His adult Link gets this weird mega pointy nose. <laughs> he looks like a ventriloquist dummy. Yeah. Um, you know, the frame rate is 20 frames per second, uh, you know, which is not good enough. Yeah. And, uh, uh, color, color display on the N64 was necessarily, necessarily limited specifically because of memory, I believe. Uh, yeah. So it ends up being pretty washed out. All of that is technical. Uh, you do not have to play that version anymore. Um, because yes. the 3DS update like maintains the really cool and good art direction. Um, <laughs> so, you know, you can actually see that like iconic Zelda stuff is recognizable, right? Mm -hmm. um, and like the 3DS update, you know, somebody said something about it that like unlocked this era of like HD updates or whatever. Like the purpose of this kind of remake isn't to recreate the original it's to recreate the way you felt about the original sure and like it accomplishes yeah. that <laughs> yeah I, I i think it's uh like i think the 3ds version of this actually looks like really good it does yeah like like not just good you know in comparison or what have you like i i was like oh this is a good looking game mm -hmm. um this sells the, the the majesty and spectacle of this very well it's colorful there's like a broad dynamic range of like the palettes used in different areas and things you know mm -hmm. like this is a game that can you know do they can do kakariko village or sorry uh, kokiri forest um and the bottom of the well um yeah. and like the art design was capacious enough to actually like hold both of those it's great absolutely just it's exhibit like five or six in why you should never play the original and just play the 3ds version yes like the inventory gains are well worth it but mm -hmm. this is also just absolutely huge yes um the soundtrack is really good mm -hmm. uh so this is uh composed by koji kondo um which he was working with at least the five first five notes of any individual uh or the first like beginning yeah, the first few has bars. to be limited to five notes first mm -hmm. few bars had to be limited to five notes on the ocarina which is really cool. Mm -hmm. uh, and he did a great job of that. Um, they later go outside of the Ocarina's range, oh, like yeah. basically immediately after the intro. Yeah, you can't do any of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I can't do that. But you can do the beginning of it. Mm -hmm. um, the soundtrack is really good. And a lot of the, you know, when you go and see like Zelda, the symphony mm -hmm. experience um, in, in, your, in your hometown, uh, they're pulling a lot of stuff from this. Yes. Uh, this kind of created a lot of the most famous Zelda songs, mm -hmm. and uh, also and like which like, are, like phenomenal. It, yeah, and and like weirdly, some of them are pulled from older games. Like Zelda's lullaby predates this, 
yeah. <laughs> which is kind of crazy. And really weird. They don't have the classic Zelda overworld theme. They save that for Majora's Mask. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very weird choice. Yeah. But like that, dun, 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 dun. like that doesn't mm-hmm. show up until that doesn't show up in this game at all. It's like, it's um, like, like three minutes into the Hyrule. They, they do like a version or a quote of it. Three minutes they, into yeah, the they Hyrule. Do a little, a yeah. little reprise of it, but it's yeah. not the theme. It's not actually um, uh, that, pre- presented here. Yeah. Yeah. And the Hyrule overall, overall theme is fine. Mm-hmm. I think that the, 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 uh, the killer tracks on this are the Song of Storms and the, uh, Lost Woods theme. I love that yeah. both of those have been carried forward. Like, yes, those are obviously the strongest melodies from this. Yeah. Um, and they have become iconic for the series. Song of Storms is so good. Yeah. Song of Storms is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is my edit. Uh, that's going to show up. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. So let's talk about development a little bit. Yeah, let's talk about this. Uh, it's real interesting. Uh, a lot of details have come out uh, through like Nintendo Directs and things like that. Um, something that sounds intolerable to me is that though this was produced by Shigeru Miyamoto kind of concurrently with um, Mario 64, uh, the actual mm-hmm. directing duties fell to five people. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Uh, including A.G. Aonuma, uh, who would kind of become the custodian of Zelda from this point forward. Um, And, you know, and his his contribution and the fact that he became the lead actually explains a lot of why 3D Zeldas became what they became and stayed the same for so long. Um, But like five different directors, each in charge of some important system like that sounds like a disaster to me. Yeah. That's not a, uh, you know, we, we come out swinging against auteur theory mm-hmm. on the show, but this isn't what we want. <laughs> no. Nope. The, the answer to auteur theory is not more auteurs, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, th- this sounds like it would be hard to work in, mm-hmm. uh, to me. Um, this, uh, it was developed alongside Mario 64. Um, it's a modified version of the engine, which we mentioned, mm-hmm. and it was originally going to have its whole like travel to worlds through painting. Uh, theme which i would have loved yep. um, i think that's a cool bit of uh, mario 64 and the boss fight that plays with that is cool mm-hmm. in this game um i think that is neat yeah uh the intent the intention for this you know because it came out you know pr- pretty well into the lifespan of the n64 the intention was to have this be the killer app you know the system seller for the n64 disk drive uh, but there were lots of technical reasons why that couldn't happen. Primarily, uh, the fact that they had so many different animations, which were, um, incorporated using a lot of mocap data. They actually like couldn't mm-hmm. physically read it off the disc. Uh, yeah. so this could not be a game that existed solely on the N64 disc drive. This is good because the N64 DD was a commercial failure anyway. Yes. Yeah. Even though I would love to get uh, my hands on an emulator. I mean, I could just do this, but I want to emulate that uh, Mario Paint sequel. Yes. Do it. I think that sounds really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so they ended, ended up making this uh, on cartridge uh, with the plan uh, doing an expansion on the DD called Ura Zelda, um, which is going to be uh, kind of including some cut content and everything. But that ultimately became the Master Quest version, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, we briefly mentioned, like, we're not going to address that the content of that in this episode, um, it is a dungeon remix. Yes. And on the 3DS version, it mirror flips the world mm-hmm. to kind of mess with your muscle memory. Yeah. Um, you know, and apparently the Master Quest dungeons are good uh, in this. Um, I just was not hungry for more Zelda, so I, I'm not particularly interested. But the uh, my understanding is that they're pretty good. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and that eventually came out. We're going to talk about the release of this uh, later on. Uh, this was mm-hmm. the largest game that Nintendo had released to that date. They tried to keep it on a uh, 32 megabyte, uh, or sorry, a 16 megabyte disc, uh, but uh, uh, came out on 64 megabytes, I believe, uh, which is a g- mm-hmm. gigantic. This was um, a very expensive game when it came out, and it was also really hard to get a hold of. Um, like I have spoken with my family, with my mom, about like the lengths that they had to go to to get this for Christmas for me that year. Mm. The people um, whose lives had to be lost. <laughs> yep. Yeah, <laughs> because I'm a yeah. fancy boy who needs to play his Zelda. <laughs> yeah, I'm good too. I'm not sharing with Chris. Um, <laughs> like, oh. um, we talked about them making Z targeting, uh, the ferry navigation system, aka Navi. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so they felt like this needed a diegetic explanation. Um, the uh, and the in-game cinematics are handled in engine instead of being pre-rendered. Mm-hmm. Um, which allowed them to change the storyline development, allowed them to keep space down, and is you know, ultimately a good choice. Yeah. Um, I cannot imagine yeah. how heinous and blurry the pre-rendered versions of this would be. Well, yeah. In fact, I can. Go back and look at the um, <laughs> the N64 version of Resident Evil 2. Yeah. Yeah. There's also a kind of beta footage of this as well mm-hmm. that has some some of that kind of steez if you want to find that. If you could look at um, Unseen 64. Yeah. The, uh, the other the, videos and stuff. Phew, the N64 is just a nightmare of a system. I, I, yeah, I don't like that system. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I mean, there's some I, good games on it. As revealed but, by the fact that this is what, the third N64 game we've done, <laughs> maybe? Yeah what, yeah, what have we done? This, we've done Pokemon uh, Snap. Pokemon Snap. We've done uh, Paper Mario. Yeah, Paper Mario, um, some of the Mario Golf kind of counts for that, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And out of all those games, uh, Pokemon Snap and Paper Mario, I like quite a bit. Yes. But in general, like the Nintendo 64, and I and I like Mario 64. I know I keep saying that, like, I don't, not the biggest fan of it. I just think the back half of it's not very fun. Yeah. The yeah. first half of that game is magical. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Mario, 60, Mario Kart 64, I have a lot of affection for. Mm-hmm. Spent a lot of time um, with that. So the, there's good games on it, mm-hmm. but the, it's this and the, the GameCube are rough, even though like, I I mean, just this is getting ahead. Uh, the next thing we're doing is Luigi's Mansion. That mm-hmm. game's delightful. That game slaps. It's so good. God, it's so good. I, I had no idea. <laughs> like I, I, I remember playing a little bit of it on GameCube uh-huh. and being like, oh, okay, well, this isn't really what I'm looking for. And it was a mistake. Yeah. Cause, cause that game is funny. Like uh-huh. if people who think I'm immune to charm, you just wait for that <laughs> Luigi's Mansion episode because that game has charmed my fucking dick off. <laughs> <laughs> Luigi has has done it again. Like, like uh, th- it's like the game that made me like Luigi. Like uh, I'm I'm so into it. I'm having so much fun with it. Yeah. Like it, it's it is shocking to me that Mario is still the headliner. Yeah, Luigi <laughs> should have taken Mario and drawn him in a toilet after yeah, this. Until like, the bubble stopped. Lu- until the bubbles stop. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> the super fratricide Yo brothers. Like, I, I love that game. Uh, I think that that game is just amazing and charming and fun and good. Yeah. It's like my second favorite GameCube game or something like that. It's, like, it's it, really up there. It's, it's very good. I like, and I, I've like, I've played like a little bit of all of them, but I'm ready to do a series dive now, actually. Yeah, it's good shit. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not immune to charm. Yeah. A little bit of a preview um, for there. Um, lest, yeah. lest you think that we are, we are completely devoid of joy. Yeah, we're not. We're not. Um, this, this had some cutting room floor stuff, like the, some things they, they had concepts. We talked about the painting thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was part of it. Um, they also, the NPCs were supposed to have schedules. Yep. Um, this made its way into animal crossing, uh, interestingly enough. And then also was a huge element of Majora's mask when you even have like a scheduling app in that game <laughs> yep yeah um one of the the weirdest things about this uh is the idea that it was supposed to be a first person game and then go into third person for combat that's so like wild 
That is crazy. That's really, and the reason they didn't do it is wild to me. Mm -hmm. Like it's literally the guy who did the model for 3d link was like, you don't get to see him enough. (laughs) And and that was the concern. Like it wasn't Mm -hmm. like, Hey, this would play weird. Yeah. It was, I want my work to be shown off more than just in combat. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, what? Like, like Japanese in-house development culture is weird. Yeah. You can Uh, say no. Like, (laughs) Yeah, give you, give you them something no. else. Yeah, you can negotiate with them. Like, not that I wanted this to be first person, but it would have been strange. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd yeah, been interested and in it. I, I prize weird now. So yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, compare. I, I keep comparing this to Kingsfield when I was playing it because mm-hmm. uh, both of them are like you know have that cadence of like being on an adventure and like one that tells you nothing and one that tells you everything. Yeah, and how much more? How much I loved playing Kingsfield again. Mm-hmm. You know, and it had so much more fun with it. Like that would have maybe given a little bit more of that like atmosphere and steez, even though Navi still would have been just popping up and seeing like, hey, yeah. you know, press A if you want to duck. I think I think you that know? I think that she would have been um she was like a relatively late introduction. Um yeah, yeah I don't know. Uh so the so it was partly because of the developer protest, but like child link was also not really a factor in the earliest versions of this game. Which is uh, it really was really weird because it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of the whole the whole thing. Um, but yeah, uh, like when they decided to add Child Link, it's like, OK, like we actually need to show this character because otherwise the difference between Child Link and Adult Link will not be apparent enough or it will you not can be just have taller. <laughs> yeah, it will not be the Nintendo obvious. Yeah. Yes. Um, the game was also supposed to have dating sim elements. This is so uh, obvious when you play it as an adult eye. When you play different. it, look at it through adult eyes, aware of when a game is trying to probably like process horny or get horny across. All of the women yeah. went up on Link's dick. <laughs> like, it's really unfortunate because not only is he a kid in child's body uh, or a kid in an adult's body, adult he's been Link bigged. is 16. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's been bigged. And also adult Link is canonically 16. Yeah. Uh, so this is incredibly inappropriate, uh, and I don't like any of it. Like well, I don't you see like, in Zelda uh, times. In, Z- yeah, in Zelda times, they didn't have those kind of laws. You know, <laughs> like, I just, I just don't. Uh, it doesn't feel right to me. It doesn't feel very Zelda to me. I. This is the beginning of the idea of the great fairies being uh, like Greek sex goddesses. Um, you know, and I, w- I look back to the link to the past because I was like, were the big fairies in that sexualized? And I just forgot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, this is the first game where it's like they are sex pots who moan yeah. the entire time they give you items. Yeah, they they, uh, they they coo and they stretch their legs out in front of you and they spread them. It's like cats, <laughs> like a bunch of Rebel Wilsons and cats. You know, uh, and I just I just think it's very strange. Like yeah. it, you know, you can under you could make the joke that like oh it's you know it's kind of cute because Link's out of his element and stuff, but it's just kind of humor that doesn't resonate with me, and I don't. Want Link to fuck? I, I no. That's not what I'm here for. I'm not here. I'm not, I, I am here for him to explore different caverns. Essentially, <laughs> I'm here for caves, <laughs> non-metaphorical caves. Yes. Like you know, and that was the thing with Breath of the Wild, where everyone was like, "Oh, he wants to fuck the Shark Prince," and I'm like, "I, <laughs> I don't." You know, what if what if you could just go on a fucking adventure for once in your damn lives? Yeah. <laughs> Horny internet weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so something like, you know, just to psychoanalyze a whole group to psychoanalyze my own cohort. Okay. Like, you know, if you, if you are in your early thirties now, this probably hit around the time of like a sexual awakening of, of kinds for you. And so like the, the reason that a lot of these characters are beloved or like, there's a lot of like emotional capital invested in them. Probably like, I remember this, like 
you know, oh, so I'm sorry, a story is actually pretty sad, but like for any number of them, it's like, oh, I can't be with my girlfriend because she's a sage now. Like it is a parade yeah. of potential girlfriends who are here to talk you up. Like this is, this is a lane where you can feel important, um, to, yes. to, to, to women if that is your thing. Um, and I think that that actually might explain some of the goodwill toward this, not all of it, you know, but like, it's part of the stew, right? It, for sure. For sure. Like, because people were younger than me, like <laughs> they didn't have this awakening with Marquee post. They had it with the Zelda vagiants <laughs> um, <laughs> like, uh, of the fairy fountains, <laughs> you know, the, the leaf encrusted vagiants of Hyrule. Um, and, and like the idea, you know, and we could, we could get into it and be like, well, you know, the idea that it's very sad that this person doesn't want to be your girlfriend because they have a career now yeah. is like, you know, we, I, I like how, how waypoint do we want to get? Like, they, 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 we, they've, we, they've literally like, they like, they cannot be with you because they have like, they, their spirits now <laughs> they leave yeah, the rest of the, the world. They're stuck in the future. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. They, they cannot be in with you like in a, a widower way. <laughs> right. Um, but then like I was reading the, uh, TV tropes for this and people oh, were like, you know, unresolved romantic tension, some between Link and Zelda, or am I imagining it? You're fucking oh. imagining it. Like he's seven <laughs> yeah. at the end of this fucking thing. Like, I hate you. I just like, <laughs> why are you doing this? I remember he's it a being a tiny little kid. I remember it being sad that they went on this adventure and he's got to go back and she doesn't know him. Like, yeah, it's super sad. Yeah. But it's not, it's not sad because they're, they're don't, they have unresolved <laughs> sexual tension. Yeah. Like that's not the sad part. Okay, man. sorry. I, <laughs> I I round I rounded that up to a human emotion shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it's just no. I'm not, I'm talking about the the TV the, this troper. Yeah, like, I'm talking about the troper who is like no. I know. Like I was. I, yeah. I I I took the word that you said and I processed it like it was you who was saying that. Yes, yeah. it's it's a it's I I understand it is understandable. Yeah. Uh, it's just I just don't understand why sex has to be in Zelda. <laughs> it's like a, every every it's real weird to have the sexual stuff when every single other element of it is a kids cartoon. Uh huh. Like every other element of it is like less complicated and morally ambiguous than Pirates of Dark Water. Yeah. And then, however, though, here comes Sex Fairy. <laughs> I just I, th that that combination is very strange to me. Mm -hmm. Like Charlotte's Web was real good. I loved it at the end where Charlotte fucking took off her panties <laughs> and like rubbed her whatever spiders have yeah. into the camera. Her you know, book I, lungs. I, I <laughs> her book lungs in her mouth, like slathering her mouth parts all over my lap front. Yeah. Like I, I just, uh, yeah. <sighs> yeah. So. Um, also Ganon was going to be shadow of the Colossus. Yep. You're going to climb up Ganon. Uh, they use this in Mario galaxy um, and in shadow of the Colossus. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, but that, that was originally going to be the Ganon fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the final one. Mm -hmm. And if there are other uh, cool production things uh, about this, uh, please understand. There are. Know. There are. Yeah. This episode's already going to be a million years long. <laughs> um, you know, by by the end, if you're if you're a, if you're a child, like listening to this, by the time you get done listening to it, you can have sex with whatever like gigantic Greek sex god fairies you want. Yeah, I will take the yeah. re-dead, please. Yes. They, they climb up on you. It's fine. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the release of this. Uh, so this came out mm -hmm. at a critical time for Nintendo. Like we said, a lot was riding on this. Basically, 1997 passed without a major first-party game for the N64. Like, mm -hmm. 97 was handed over to Rare, specifically yes. with uh, with GoldenEye, right? Yep, with your golden eyes. Yes. Um, yeah. And this game's reputation literally cannot be overstated. Uh, GameFAQs does that best game of all time poll. And it becomes uh, just yeah. a huge amount of drama because everybody huge. insists that games will never be better than they were in 1998. Yeah, this, this was the the winner of that forever. Mm -hmm. 
um, until Undertale uns- unsat it. Which is also wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah, which is also like best of all time. Um, the uh, So this is and it really, really well reviewed at the time. Really, really well regarded now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so this is uh, the kind of the beginning because it was, you know, came about in the internet age, not only does it have, you know, people angrily, you know, or, or peacefully, mm-hmm. um, you know, cheering it on online. It also kind of started this, you know, weird splinter in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where the timeline stuff started <sighs> yep. with Zelda, um, which is a whole ball of wax. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are people who care about the Zelda timeline. I, 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 yeah, I went and read about that. I just hopped on a wiki to see what it is. Yeah. That is the dumbest thing. I think I think it I think it's one of the most asinine things in video games because it's so not worth doing. Oh my god! Like it could just be an anthology, yeah, of similarly themed things, folks. Yeah, you could do this like Final Fantasy, uh huh. You know, uh, as opposed to it all having to fit into one thing and and there being like half a button presses and shit Mm -hmm. to like justify all these timelines. Uh, I I find it to be a mess. Yeah, uh, in a way that is, uh, you know. Has, has zero interest for me is the most charitable thing I can say about it. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, um, this game like technically is really interesting because it is such a mess. It's, you know, mm-hmm. held together with bailing wire and bubble gum. Um, so this kind of expresses itself in two ways. ROM hackers have basically been going to going to town on this with, mm-hmm. um, you know, basically since ROM hacking was a thing and lots of interesting kind of like remnants of early game concepts that are, you know, basically just dummied out are still there. Uh, and mm-hmm. you can go like, look at this. It's very well documented. Like a range attack on your sword. Yes. For example, yeah. was originally part of the game. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you can enable that. The other interesting thing is like glitch speed runs of this, especially well-explained ones are a sight to behold. Oh yeah. So, so this speed run of this game is under 10 minutes mm-hmm. now. Um, that's, and that's breaking news. Like that, uh, was news of, uh, I think January or February of this year. Oh, wow. Was that uh, at AGDQ? No, no, no. Somebody, uh, first did it like a home, like a streamer, mm-hmm. um, did it. Um, so they're under 10 minutes now. And the way that you speed run this game in a glitch percent, uh, and there's all kinds of like interdrama in that too, whether this counts and stuff, it's very, frustrating yeah um you know there are things you can argue about online that matter right (laughs) um the like uh but the uh the way you do it is very similar if you've ever watched any of the tazbot stuff from agdq Mm -hmm. where somebody in super mario world does a series of seemingly random actions Mm -hmm. to reprogram the game while it's running yeah um but humans can do it Mm mm-hmm yeah, uh, just like the, 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 there, there are invisible variables that you can just increment through different button presses that cause an overflow that make you slip slip through a seam in the world to get to places you should not be, to get items you should not be able to get. Um, and like you well, have to have somebody explain it to you. And now the the sub 10 minute one, you just do those kind of things to make the credits play, yep. to make the ending cinematic play. You never leave the village. <laughs> like you, you go, the most progress you make on the critical path is to get the slingshot mm-hmm. because you need something you can aim. Yeah. Uh, and then once you have that, though, you just go fuck around in the village for a little while until the game breaks and shows you the ending. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> nine minutes and 40 seconds or something. That's really funny. And most of that is cinematic. Mm-hmm. Like almost all, because it's the beginning of Zelda Ocarina of Time, almost all of that is people talking. (laughs) It's really wild to see. 
Uh, it's incredibly fun. Um, you know, this is a big thing on AGDQ. People do randomizer races. People mm-hmm. do, uh, you know, different different things like that. Like the speed run scene for this game is incredible and cool. Yeah. Um, you have to be really into listening to it because you just hear your guy do the hup, hup, backwards <laughs> jump thing for the entire speed run. Yeah. So a 100% speed run is pretty hard to watch, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, the game had to be reissued shortly after it was put out uh, uh, because the initial the initial release uh, included two things. The um, design of the Gerudo flag uh, looked very Islamic, like it had a you know mm-hmm. crescent moon, thing like that. Additionally, the Fire Temple uh, track included Islamic chants. Uh, mm-hmm. Contrary to popular belief, this was not changed because of outcry. This was actually changed because of Nintendo's um, own policies about religious content. Uh, at the time yes. um additionally ganon's blood was made green instead of red uh in subsequent releases yeah i played it in the red blood version which does make that ending cutscene different better. yes different yeah. and better yeah um so this game has been really re-released a whole bunch of times one of the most uh well thought of and highly treasured versions is the gamecube uh pre-order bonus for wind waker mm-hmm. um so this uh this was a you know this is kind of pre uh virtual console yeah um, and pre like, you know, probably really good Nintendo 64 emulation. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was a way to play this game just kind of in general, but it was also people's first version of uh, first access to master quest. Yes. Uh, like we said, that is dungeon remix. Uh, it's supposed to be harder. Weirdly, the master quest version of the water temple is easier is my understanding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just because it ends up being less complicated and that dungeon isn't necessarily about combat very much. No, um no. things like that when i worked at gamestop when this like when, when one of these came in it was like it was an occasion because like people yeah. would see that it was in stock and then there would just be a rush toward it and like yeah. request to hold it and stuff it was like a huge pain in the ass yeah um yeah i had one of these at one point and sold it ah. oh well. to a gamestop so it goes oh I, yeah i don't care <laughs> yeah. but, yeah. Uh, so as we, as we said before, the in 2011, this game was remade as an early killer app for the 3DS, not launch title, but launch window. Um, mm-hmm. And like we said, this updates the graphics and maintains the art direction. Uh, weirdly and coolly, it maintains as uh, it maintains a lot of the glitches like they saw, you know, especially some of the more benign non game breaking ones as like a part of the original experience. So they tried to re- replicate them, which I think is admirable mm-hmm. and cool. Yeah, I respect that. Yeah. Um, and also, like, it fixes the inventory to a certain degree. The touchscreen makes a big difference. Having that map down there is really cool. Gyroscope aiming is much better than I expected it to. The 3D is unviewable because the 3D and the 3DS was never was never actually good. I, I fucked around with it a little bit. Um, and I, I, I think that the 3D and the 3DS is generally as good as 3D on a 2D screen can get. Yeah. Like I know, I know that when you say something as good as it can get, it's just a way to be a fool in the future. Right. But like, I, I just don't. I'm not really interested in 3D on a 2D screen. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, in a general sense, and it works pretty well. It just, it, I, it doesn't feel good moving a character through it. No. Like no. I would turn it on for cutscenes. Uh, this time around, yeah. and it, you know, it looks like cool 3D. Like I unfocus my eyes, and it looks good. Yeah. Um, but I don't know why I'd play a game in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it also might be something about my eyes. Like it gives me a headache if I look at it for more than ten seconds. But yeah, yeah, yeah. which is common. That's like yeah. you know, a common, uh, common complaint mm-hmm. uh, of it. I've never had the uh, the the game in which I've had the 3D work the best for is Pilot Wings. 
yeah uh, resort or whatever it works well nice. for pilot wings and it's actually worked pretty well for me on super mario 3d lands oh, okay yeah. interesting yep. um so that this version has master quest that also has a boss rush mm-hmm. mode um you can unlock and it yeah. is by far the version you should play yes it's 20 bucks you know a 3ds you know you can yep. get a hold of a 2ds right now that will suffice you know it's mm-hmm. just the best way to do it so yep um so that's gonna be it for our generalities uh, longest generalities ever. Um, <laughs> we are going to uh, put in a little break. And then, uh, you know, if you're hearing this, it is because uh, you're not a patron. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is on the public release feed. If you want to hear the full episode, plus a bunch of other extra stuff, um, you can go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv and give us mm-hmm. $5 a month. You get all of the old premium episodes of Watch Out for Fireballs, a year's worth. Yep. Um, some of our finest work is in there. Yeah. Um, as well as a bunch of other bonus shows and bonus perks yeah you get a lot we we think we designed it to mm-hmm. be generous so yes yeah uh, and we appreciate you yeah so um we look forward to seeing you there and uh if we don't we will see you uh, see you next week mm-hmm.